0: Does your teenager vape? Nicotine, maybe? THC? If you said no, how sure are you? Well, today's episode is the first in a series on vaping, and you're going to hear from 21-year-old Daniel Ament, who at 16 had a double lung transplant due to the irreparable damage caused by vaping. I want your teenager to listen to this episode too, not necessarily as a scare tactic, but as a bit of a wake up call and to hear from someone close to their age who wishes he'd never seen a vape and who now speaks to school audiences about his ordeal. Stay with me because Daniel has a great message for them and some incredibly insightful advice for you. This is Speaking of Teens, the podcast that helps parents who are struggling to find peace and connection with their teens. My name is Ann Coleman. I'm an attorney turned parent educator and a mom who's been there. And I'm on a mission to help you build a stronger relationship and decrease the conflict with your kid so you can help them grow into the young adult they're meant to be. By the end of today's episode, you'll understand how teens who never intend on vaping start how easy it is to become addicted, and how you may never know it, and how very hard it is for them to quit. I started out by asking Daniel to take us back to 2019, the summer between his sophomore and junior year of high school.
1: Um, So I was mostly using nicotine. Jewel was the main brand at the time that everyone was using. Um, And I did try THC vapes probably around... Like fifteen times at most, um, but majority of my use was uh, nicotine, um, and I was just vaping as a social thing. I only owned my own vape for around two weeks, so I was mostly like for the I say nine months, but a lot of that just consisted of like maybe three times a week hitting it for like five minutes with my friends in their car as we're driving to lunch or on the weekend if I was at a party or something. Um, and that was ma- the majority of my use for like half of the uh, that time period. And then once school ended and summer started, uh, the frequency went up because I was just in a place where I could more and like everyone around me had one. So I like when I would drive people around, I'd be like, hey, can I hit your vape? Because uh, like instead of having them pay for gas money, like they would have this. So that's kind of like people would just let me hit their vape. And then, uh, so I ended up finding one that someone had just dropped in my car, and then that was the jewel, like the body of the jewel. And then I just uh, bought pods for that for around two weeks or three weeks. So I, I think I'd only bought I bought like fifteen pods in total. So that's uh, three packs, which is five um, five pods a pack, uh, or four four or five. Um, so I just had those for whatever amount of time was, and then I realized, okay, I'm getting addicted now. Um, because I had the pods with me. So then I just I ended up actually throwing that jewel into the lake because I live right next to a lake because I just like I don't want to get addicted to it. I just want to do it with my friends because and I literally had the thought if anything like is dangerous, everyone advertised it's like safer than smoking and it's safe, like nothing will happen. And uh, I was like, oh, it'll just happen to someone else. Like and I would know I'm and also I would like I would be able to heal like, you know, it's not going to happen to any extent because I'm not I'm doing it less than every single person I know. So that was my thought process as a 16 year old. Um, And yeah, so I had that for a few weeks, got rid of it. And then at that time, probably just on the weekends again, um, and then a little bit more during the days, if I was doing something that, you know, allowed me to be around people with it, just hit it a few times. But I would, I remember consciously stopping myself from hitting it too much when I was around them, because if I hit it too much, then the next day when I hit it, I wouldn't feel a buzz from it. And I would notice. So I'm getting a tolerance. Let me back off. And just so I can always get this feeling that I'm actually using it for. Then in July was like around where I was like, okay, well, when I, when I threw my jewel body into the lake, that's when I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to quit by the time school comes around. So I'm just not continuing this addiction. So I, I think like maybe the last time I'd hit one was like a week before I got sick or two weeks before I got sick. Cause I was, um, like, uh, I was just hanging out. I remember it was like a weekend. Um, yeah, it was just a weekend hangout before school. And I remember like school was coming. It was like the l- last weekend or the second to last weekend before uh, school was coming. And then that was probably the last time I had hit one. So I was vaping for around nine months, I think. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the average time frame I settled on when I started telling my story because that's what um, I could remember. Um, but so it was around like my 16th birthday in November, probably when I started vaping. And then I stopped um, in like the next August. I was a sophomore in high school. Well, so I was going into junior year. So it happened like the, I went to school uh, one day and then that I was feeling really sick that day. I think I'd already, it'd been like three or four days since I started feeling some sort of symptoms. And then um, I felt really fatigued and I had a fever in school. Um, and it was the first day of school and I just didn't want to miss orientation in all the classes. Uh, and then I ended up going to the doctor and then the next, um, they sent me to get an x-ray and nothing was showing up at the time because it apparently it takes a while or so, something like that. Um, but for whatever reason, they weren't like, they were just saying, oh, nothing's wrong. It's just like a normal, you know, sickness. But if you get short of breath, go to the ER. And then the next day I was short of breath and then I went to the ER, um, and then That's when I, yeah, then I kind of lost my memory. I only remember being in the ER, just kind of talking to the doctors, talking to the nurses. And then after the doctor tells me uh, like, oh yeah, nothing, like your x-ray looks fine. Nothing looks wrong. I think your short, short of breath is just caused by anxiety. And then uh, that was the last thing he said. And then I remember like him walking out the room, my parents uh, just sitting like both in the room on the left wall in front of me, like just a few feet in front of me. And I think I was just like on my phone probably. And then I just woke up. Yeah. And then I just woke up.
0: Daniel woke up 55 days later. What he doesn't remember, but what I'm certain his parents will never forget is that he nearly died. He was hooked up to a life support device known as an ECMO, which stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, meaning it takes over for the heart and lungs and keeps the body's blood supply pumping and oxygenating. The problem was it didn't really work. The doctors discovered that his lungs had been so badly damaged that he wouldn't survive without new ones. The doctors scrambled around frantically trying to figure out how they were going to transport him to another facility for the transplant because the ambulances were not equipped with an ECMO, and he would have died within minutes if not continuously hooked up to one. Luckily, they found a portable ECMO to take in the ambulance, but it was a huge risk just to try and switch him back and forth from the portable machine and then back to the other facility's device. Everything had to be planned out perfectly, and it was extremely risky.
1: I needed a transplant because it was getting worse and worse very quickly at the at the end stage of things. And I, But I really don't remember a lot. Well, I, I don't remember anything from that time period. So um, a lot of the stuff is a little bit fuzzy because I just know what other people have told me. Well, yeah, I, if I didn't get the transplant, th- that's the reason I got the transplant so quickly is because all oh, the things they look at for when evaluating if someone needs a transplant, well, is there any other option to keep them alive? If you get a transplant, you're doing pretty bad. Um, and the reason I shot up on the list was because I was doing so bad that I would die no matter what, likely within hours, I believe, uh, hours or like a day or two days, um, is what I remember being told. And, um, another thing is that when they're evaluating, they look at, does this person have a high uh, risk to go back to doing what got them sick or if it's a genetic disease, uh, obviously they're going to be like higher, but because I didn't have a high risk of going back, usually they don't give transplants to smokers. So I was pretty lucky that you know this was the first thing that happened. If I had known that this was possibly going to end up doing something like that, some the damage that it did, and I was continually doing it, then they just say, "Well, you knew that, so you're not going to get the transplant." We need to give these to the um, the genetic disease, like uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, they get priority. Um, but because I also was very young and had a high outlook. And um, like 16 year old athlete, um, I was 155 pounds. I was a swimmer, a varsity swimmer. Um, I was a cross country runner. Um, and then I also sailed competitively because we have a lake and it's connected to the Detroit River. Um, and I did pretty well in that. So but yeah, because I was very athletic and had a high chance to come out of this doing well and live the longest and have a good quality of life. Um, I shot up on the list and I was able to get a transplant luckily.
0: Thank- hey there, real quick, I want you to know about something that, if you're anything like me, an anxious ADHD overthinker, you may really need. It's my free guide, Emotional Awareness Strategies. Being emotionally aware is the key to managing your emotions with your kids or anyone else. Inside, I talk to you about the common thinking traps, being able to differentiate between your emotions and the importance of mindfulness. If you're a yeller, lecturer, crier, or punisher, you need this guide. The link is at the very bottom of the episode description where you're listening. Back to the show. Fully, Daniel's double lung transplant was successful, and his family wrote at the time, We are forever grateful to the organ donor and their compassionate family for making the selfless decision to donate the gift of life. In an article for NBC News, Dr. Lisa Allensbach, director of the Lung Transplant Program at Henry Ford Health System, where Daniel had a surgery, she said, we're hopeful that given his youth and progress that happens in the future, that he will be alive and well for a long time.
1: I know people have gotten sick everywhere um, since then. Um, the frequency has definitely gone down, so... I mean, maybe whatever was causing those very drastic illnesses and quick uh, killing illnesses at the beginning are hopefully not out there. Um, But I still see on the statistics, you see thousands of people get um, sick from vaping every year. Oh, yeah. And the long term aspects of it, obviously nicotine addiction. That's mostly what I talk about when I do uh, school speeches, because I mean, if you look at obviously not many people now are getting lung transplants due to vaping because not as many people are getting sick. So people are going to look at that and say, well, it's not going to happen to me. Whatever was out there is gone now. Um, But it is important to think about the aspects of addiction and also the, you don't know what it's doing um, to you long-term. And I literally every, I've, I had a friend recently um, that's been vaping for at least probably four or five years. And they were like, how do I quit? I, I, feel like I can't, like I'm losing stamina. I feel like I, when I'm walking, I get out of breath. When I walk up the stairs, I get out of breath. So they are seeing that happen to themselves and they are so dependent on the nicotine that they're having trouble quitting. So,
0: you know, having this experience now and then being able to look back, I mean, it's, I think it's so so profound that you can go talk to young people and that they can actually see you in the face and know you're a real person and know this happened to you and that it could happen to them. And the, the reason I think that it still could very easily happen is because of all the the vapes that are coming in that are bootlegged from overseas. And
1: Yeah. I mean, if you see, um, I've seen videos of the disposable vapes being manufactured in, in China, Most of these brands are coming from China, I I believe. I'm not going to say specific names because I'm not sure on it, but I know a lot of the popular brands right now are just coming in from China. The factories are not in the best conditions in terms of sanitary conditions. Um, The actual materials used are very cheap, obviously, because they're trying to make a profit. And I mean, there's just a bunch of people out there profiting off of uh, young people becoming lifelong addicted to a substance that their body does not need. and they're becoming slaves to themselves because they're losing self-discipline because they can't. Can if you say you're going to do something and then you don't over time, you know what does that do to your psyche? And then having that happen at such a young age, just messing with their dopamine receptors. Um, I mean, there's studies showing uh, with rats and nicotine um, that certain things happen that decrease motivation as well as um, can have lifelong changes uh in certain uh i forget what it's called but there's certain parts of the brain that change permanently um and that those those parts of the brain have to do with cognitive function um so your decision making for the rest of your life is kind of becoming impaired and i mean if you're living from the age of 15 as soon as you kind of like start to realize what this world is about and like kind of get in the groove of things with an addiction and you don't know what life is like without that as you're going into adulthood it's going to be really a lot harder to quit and your brain is like imagine your brain is dependent on that for all those years and then you just have to stop and keep going in the, in adult life and you don't have that now it is going to be hard to quit um, but I mean it's definitely doing some sort of damage even if it's not to the extent of a lung transplant because I, I see my friends just talking to me um, Well, a lot of the people obviously I'm not hanging out with people that are vaping all the time but friends that i've had um and acquaintances that ask me how to quit because i try to help them um i mean i'm in college right now so any social function i go to there's a lot of people vaping there so i mean that's led to me kind of staying away from that scene um so it's a very big thing right now still i would say it's maybe even gotten more popular i don't know the numbers on that but it could have it definitely seems like it like um when I was in high school, there was definitely a lot of people that were just kind of like, okay, with not vaping. But now, I mean, I would say at least eight out of nine people are vaping that I'm I'm seeing out of these functions if I do go to a function. Um, so, yeah, that has led to me just kind of staying away from that scene, which does suck.
0: After you get out of the hospital, um, then you... I know you've started talking to other people about this and everything, but your friends that you had been vaping with and people that had been vaping, did you know or notice that it had any effect on whether they continued to vape?
1: I mean, instantly the people I was friends with around that time. I mean, a lot of my friends, I kind of just lost because it was, I hadn't seen them in months. And then I went not, I couldn't go back to school. Um, and there obviously wasn't like a way for me to go hang out with people, uh, like I, I maybe had like, a, like four or five friends that kind of stuck with me and came to my house and stuff like that. But the people I would see at school, you know, lose a, a lot of those. Um, so most people that were close to me, they stopped. Um, but then a few people that are close to me still are have been addicted. And then they had to quit later. And then I still get people that are like, even if the one kid close to me quits, then all their friends around them are vaping. Um like then you're taught, I'm talking to them, trying to get them to quit. Um, And a lot of the time they're just like, yeah, I know it's really bad for me. It's a horrible habit. I need to quit. And then they just never prioritize it. So it's, that's why I try to talk to the younger kids.
0: Yes. Before they start. Right.
1: But that's the big thing. They don't, no one thinks they're going to need a transplant and almost die from vaping. Um, And the small, they're not small um, changes that happen to them because they are degrading their ability to walk upstairs but to them it's small enough uh compared to the benefit they're gaining from the nicotine um which i mean it's not a benefit but in their minds it probably feels like one well yeah it starts out you don't even know what nicotine is when you first take a hit of it but then you feel it um and then you kind of get lightheaded and then you almost fall over and then um the next week you're not like falling over anymore and it feels good and then um you're doing it at social occasions and my vaping was in an t- entirety outside of that two weeks when I had the jewel. Um, I, I never even brought one inside of my house. I, I think I brought that one inside of my house for um, that two weeks, probably. But other than that, two weeks, I didn't even have one in my room. So I'd be going constantly like, you know, 24 hours, two days, three days without vaping. Um, and I would do that on purpose. I didn't feel any sort of draw to it outside of when I was with people. Um, And then when I did start to get dependent on it from whatever frequency I was hitting it in those two weeks, then I got rid of it. So, but yeah, for me, it was totally social.
0: So your parents, did they have any idea that you were vaping at the time?
1: No. I mean, how would they? I wasn't even bringing one in the house um, most of the days.
0: Tell the parents then, what do you think your parents could have looked for, or could they have possibly known that you were doing this? Is there any way they could have known, or is there anything they could have done?
1: I mean, you know, I'm not an expert on parenting, but I would just say try to have an a, a way of a relationship with your kid that they're not going to try to hide something from you in the first place. Because if they want to hide it, they can and they will. Um, so just having that, you know, open dialogue, making sure they're not going to think they're going to be in trouble um, and making them think, oh, there's going to be this huge consequence because really you want what's best for them. So you need to be helping them quit. If they do have a nicotine addiction, you really need to help them quit because it's not something that the average teenager is equipped for mentally to uh, just quit cold turkey or make up their own plan and try and quit by themselves. Um, They're likely going to need some, like I would probably say, take them to their pediatrician Uh, see if they can get prescribed some sort of nicotine substitute. So they're not at least damaging their lungs in the process. Um, Yeah. And that's what I would say. Um, But it's pretty, yeah. I I think it's really about having a relationship where your kid is not trying to hide things from you. Um, And I mean, I feel like you can kind of, yeah, I mean, and if you need help, if they need help, you need to give it to them and make sure it's a completely like non-abrasive on your part. and like very easy for them to go through, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yes. It makes total sense. I mean, I think that's what, you know, I've seen a lot of parents say like online and in Facebook groups, parenting groups and stuff like that. You know, I just found out my kid um, is vaping. I've got to do something, you know, what am I going to do? I need to, what do I need to take away? Do I need to ground him? Do I need to do this? But to your point, you need to help him.
1: I mean, that's not going to do anything. If he, if they're addicted to nicotine and you ground them and take their phone away, they're still addicted to nicotine unless you kept them locked, locked up in a room for three weeks. And then, you know, they're going to be pretty mad at you for that. And they're probably going to have some uh, some desire to go against the grain and go start vaping again just because you locked them in the room for three weeks. But I mean, three weeks is the reason I say three weeks is uh, that's generally the period where it becomes very a lot easier um, once you're like around two to three days or four days is when the nicotine is like out of your body and then like seven days is when uh you're kind of feeling it still like the cravings kind of get pretty high but then two to three weeks out that's when it becomes a lot easier so the first week or two are the hardest to quit but then after that it gets a lot easier to quit and also you like you're going to need a lot more mental power to not just take another puff of that um so switching to a form like gum you can kind of ration it out you know okay i have this many pieces for the day. And then in five days, I'm going to have this many pieces and a half. And then you kind of wean that down and then it's going to be a lot less, um, resistance on th- whoever is quitting. Once they get to that, like 0.5 milligrams, maybe even two milligrams, it's a lot less resistance to just say, okay, I'm done. Like I don't really need this today. Cause when you're experiencing nicotine withdrawals, you're actually going to feel sick. Like you have the cold or the flu. Um, so if you're if you don't have a strong will and the discipline built up to do that, um you're likely just gonna be around your friend at a party and then just take a hit and be like, "Oh, I'm quitting, so only let me hit it one time," and then they get drunk and then they hit it all night and then they just give up because they feel bad about themselves because they just went back on their word
0: well, now that's a good point so so let's say a kid is going you know off the nicotine off the vape and they're doing the gum or they're doing you know whatever it is. And through this three week period, I mean, as a parent, I'm thinking they don't need to go anywhere and be around their friends. But
1: yeah, that's one of the biggest issues is, um, I mean, I see people that try to quit for forever and that the reason they can't is they'll be off for months and then they'll go back, they'll get drunk and then they'll be around people that are vaping and they can't resist it. Because I mean, when you're drunk, you don't have and drinking. Everyone around my age drinks. I don't drink um, at all and everyone around my age, they drink, like, you know, at least on the weekends. But I know people that go to the state colleges, like, out on campus, and they drink, like, every night for their freshman year, and they're just hitting the vapes like a pacifier. Like, they're just stuck to it. I mean, yeah, it sucks because, I mean, yeah, the hardest part is just that even when they do quit, they're going to be the outlier. That I mean, that's just a fact. Um, It sucks to say, but, like, it's it's a majority of people around my age that are vaping that I find, um, as if they're like in the college scene or like, so if they have like a, a standard average social life for someone that's in college, um, and even just people I meet, like when I'm going to like a concert, let's say you see, like, I would say at least, um, like 80% of people are like doing some sort of smoking or vaping. Um, and then obviously drinking, cause that's just standard, but yeah, we're really addicted to a lot of substances.
0: Is it the same in high school?
1: Um, I would say in high school, yeah, it's probably about the same, like especially from talking to counselors and stuff. Yeah, most most of them estimate around 60 to 80%, if not like 90% have tried it. Like a year after my transplant, I was at a like graduation party and a bunch of parents were coming up to me like, oh, like this happened. Like, oh yeah, my kid would never do that. And i would known them for like three years and they've been vaping for all three years. Um, so it's like, if you like... Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to hide uh, because you don't have to hide anything. You don't have to hide anything if you don't have one. Um, And you're not going to notice.
0: I'm just, you know, sitting here thinking about the parents who, you know, as you say, it's so easy to hide. And so they're not going to know, and they're going to assume that their kid's not vaping, right? So it, it seems to me that it would be really good if a parent and again, it's this this relationship like you talked about, you know, the kids got to trust them to be able to admit to it.
1: It needs to be like an alliance instead of a like feeling like they're the enemy um, in terms of like because, yeah, no one's when you're like 15 and, you know, you think the world's against you anyway. Um, you're not going to if your parent like already is reprimanding you, it's like if you take away their vape that they have, they're just going to go hit their friends and then probably get a new one. But if you help them quit then, and help them make better decisions for themselves, help them build better lifestyle habits, because um, it really is a lifestyle change to quit vaping um, because it requires self-discipline. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you kind of I mean, you do become a slave to your own uh, like body in a sense because you become dependent on the substance that isn't created in your own body. Um, and it's something that you have to spend money for. So you're kind of just spending money to poison yourself over time. So it is a horrible thing that's happened and just become the norm. I think it's, um, a big thing just to focus on healthier lifestyle overall. Like for someone trying to quit, like you, once you like stop drinking and vaping, like you kind of like, you have no craving for it. Um, after a certain amount of time, even if you're around the people that are doing it. Um, cause in terms of alcohol, I could drink alcohol. I don't think it's, I mean, my doctors recommend against it. But I mean, you could look and say, well, I don't know how long my lifespan is. I maybe have, you know, the average is five years. It's been four years. I'm going to live longer because I'm so young. But um, I mean, you could have a nihilistic outlook and just say, oh, well, you know, I'm already kind of on limited time. Why not enjoy and drink? Um, but once you make the decision uh, to stop doing any sort of substance, you don't need that um, artificial uh chemical increases that are making you feel whatever way um and when you get on that sort of lifestyle it's going to be a lot easier to just kind of stay and kind of you'll feel better physically and mentally than all the people around you and be able to get more done so a big thing is forming goals that are going to need you to be in a good position because like a lot of college kids they function completely fine because they're young they can drink all night and then go to class the next day Um, and feel maybe shitty, but they'll still get away with it and still pass and get a degree and go on to work full lives. So it's like, what's the motivation there to stop drinking? Well, there isn't much unless you have some sort of goal that uh, would be worse that you wouldn't achieve uh, if you stopped drinking. So I think it's a lot about like encouraging, striving for better things and having big goals that warrant uh, in your mind, logically, like this is not something I want to do because I want to get things done with my life, I want to be productive and have a life that I'm proud of living instead of just uh, increasing dopamine levels with these uh, whatever substances and getting my happiness that way. Maybe instead getting your happiness from things that you're actually achieving and, you know, being good members of society that are being productive and feeling proud of what you're doing. I mean, I would just encourage like anyone listening, like strive for better things. I know that a lot of people have goals and dreams that they want to achieve and your body is going to function better mentally and physically. If you're not addicted to substances, I think a big thing is not becoming a slave to your own mind. And it's kind of cheesy to say, but that's exactly what I see when I see uh, people that just can't stop doing something, even though they want to stop doing something and it's doing harm to their body. So they're harming the vessel that they have to do anything in this world that we're living in. And they're trading that for whatever short amount of pleasure they're achieving um, through this chemically induced state so what is the point of that you're not gaining anything from it long term um, and you're having a good time now but it's going to cause you issues in the future and overall you're just probably not striving for great things if you do i mean i can't say that because there are people that have achieved great things that are um abused abuse substances but i would just say you're gonna live a better and
0: Imagine what they can do without them though. I mean, that's the thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Reach your potential uh, of your body and don't maim yourself just for the sake of uh, some short-term pleasure and try not to fall in with that crowd that just kind of gets stuck in that. Because what I really don't want to see is with some people around me that I've seen from high school, kind of what they fall into over the years, like just kind of like not striving for the mediocre, because I mean, you can do that easily with substances when you're just you know, you can drink and that will be your happiness. So you so you don't feel the need to strive for other things because you're just always in this state, um, like on the weekends, like it's good enough. You're just in this middle state. Um, and then people will go their entire lives in this middle state because it's just so comfortable. We've built as humans, a great society to live in that has all the infrastructure we need and all this excess that we have. And I just encourage people to like kind of realize like what are the habits I've fallen in, into um, that have been allowed by this society that kind of weren't really meant to take part um, with the way our bodies were developed in evolution. Think about how can I reach the potential that I have and uh, reach my dreams? Cause I know everyone has dreams and everyone wants to reach their potential. And I think if you don't have dreams and are trying to strive for something bigger then that may be a reason why you're trying to substitute um, with drinking or whatever other substance or vaping um, and trying to dedicate yourself towards something like that, may help immensely uh in terms of you know getting things done because i know there's a lot of people that are falling into that that like i saw in high school and it's just like where are they going they don't know where they're going so you know that's kind of why they just get stuck in this endless loop of just gratification using whatever means we have
0: i think what daniel said is worth repeating don't maim yourself just for the sake of some short-term pleasure He was just hitting the vape with his friends, living life just like everyone else and thinking nothing would ever happen to him. He was an athlete in top physical condition with dreams of going to the Naval Academy that have been pushed out of his reach for now. Daniel was the first person to receive a double lung transplant due to vaping-related lung damage. It's a title he gladly abdicates. I'll have a link to Daniel's website in the show notes where you can reach out to him about speaking to your school and donate to his nonprofit, Fight for Wellness. In the next episode in this series, I'll talk about what the CDC and researchers believe caused at least 2,800 other hospitalizations and at least 68 deaths between the summer of 2019 and February 2020 and how that danger has not gone away. And I'll discuss the other lung-related illnesses vaping can cause and what to watch out for. And in the third episode in this series, I'll be talking with two representatives from the Truth Initiative about how to help your teens quit and what's going on as far as current and future regulations. So that's it for Speaking of Teens today. I want to thank you for being here and for taking a minute to spread this episode around to your friends and other teens that may need to hear it. And if you'd like to continue this conversation and more, you can find me in the Facebook group. The link is at the very bottom of the show notes. Until next time, remember, a little change goes a long way.